0: Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We're presented by Dr. Dish. Reach out to Dr. Dish, look into their shooting machines, mention the podcast, and receive a discount. Guys, this is one of the most enjoyable podcasts I've done in the last year and a half. Coach Kevin Sutton is a true gentleman of the game, a master teacher, and one of the most insightful coaches I've spoken to through this podcast process. So you are going to want to make sure you take a lot of notes as you listen to this episode. I will listen to it twice. So many nuggets of knowledge and wisdom he shares with us. Before we get rolling, guys, one week from today we have the Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic. It's in Knightstown, Indiana. We have plenty of room for coaches to register. Please go to UnitedBasketballclinics.com and register. On Friday night, we have Rob Jones, Jamie Beckler, and Mark Cassio. Mark Cassio is giving two sessions. On Saturday, we have Phil Beckner. Phil Beckner is one of the hottest names in basketball right now. He's giving two sessions. Tyler Cosson's giving two sessions. Joe's Decision's giving a session. We have Travis Doherty. We have Dr. Dish giving a session. We have 11 sessions in two days. If you can only come one day, we have Friday night or Saturday night only. We have same staff discounts. Guys, we have plenty of room for coaches to come. There's plenty of room in the gym to spread out and distance yourself from people. It's going to be a great day for a coaching clinic, unitedbasketballclinics.com. I hope to see you there. You can register and pay at the door. All right, let's dive into this podcast. Coach Sutton is an absolute joy to listen to. Guys, I'm really excited to welcome Coach Kevin Sutton. uh, He's currently a to Gulf Coast. He's been uh, all around the country, high school, A-10, Rhode Island. He has a phenomenal resume. We're going to talk about many of his stops, but uh, we're honored to have you spend uh, part of your Thursday evening with us uh, to talk uh, some basketball.
1: Uh, thank you, Matt. I, I really appreciate this opportunity to come on your podcast. I'm a huge podcast fan. Um, I listen to a, a lot of podcasts all the time. And uh, two of my friends, uh, Chris Kreider at Georgia Georgia State and Kevin Eastman, uh, have been on your podcast. And, um, you know, so when you called and asked me would I I like to be a guest, I've been humbled and honored to be on your show today.
0: Yeah, we've been blessed to have some great guests, Coach Eastman and then Coach Kreider right down the road from me at Georgia State. He's such a great teacher of the game, and uh, I loved my conversation with him. But but I, We're going to talk about many things tonight, but the, t- the, the title of this podcast is going to be Becoming a Master Teacher. And with all your stops from the high school level, assistant coach high school, head coach to college, Division one, you've had the privilege of being around many elite teachers that help mold you into the coach you are today. So talk about some of your major influences in, in your life that led you to fall in love with the game and uh, lead you to where you are today.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blessed man. Um, I had, you know, great coaches throughout my uh, my my playing career, and it started with my with my father. Um, he was my first football coach, and uh, he coached me in like I said in youth football. You know, and then I played uh, for a Hall of Fame high school coach in, uh, by the name of Stu Vetter in the Washington D.C. area. And then I um, I also had a great AAU coach by the name of Reginald Kitchen who came down from Philadelphia and uh, he poured into to me and, you know, Tommy Amaker and Michael Jackson and Billy King, you know, and our AAU program. And we ended up winning, um, you know, uh, a national championship in, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, you know, and they, and they poured into me as a person, you know, Matt, they poured into me as a student and they poured into me, you know, as an athlete. And, and for that, you know, like I said, I'm in, internally grateful, you know, because that's the reason why I got into coaching. Uh, my mentors in the coaching business, like I said, is Stu Vetter. You know, he's uh, one, uh, the only the only high school coach that has won national championship in three different uh, programs, Flint wow. Hill, um, Montrose Christian, and uh, St. John's Prospect Hall. Um, George Ravelin is a great mentor of mine, and I'm really honored and blessed to, to have him in my life and, you know, know he uh just pours into me you know i can reach out to him and i can gain wisdom you know listening to him and and, uh in every opportunity i have to talk to him um like i said before kevin eastman is a has been a huge mentor of mine i met kevin um uh probably 20 years ago you know and uh, he's still a you know great influence on my life and he's given me great opportunities to be a part of nike skills academy which he developed from the inception And then now we, you know, just recently this week, um, he was a speaker uh, on um, the Top Connect program that I was uh, symposium that I was a part of. So, you know, Coach Eastman continues to serve as a mentor. And then, you know, when I worked at Georgetown, um, I had the opportunity to be around big Coach Thompson, you know, you know, rest in soul, rest in soul. And, uh, and I got a chance to, you know, learn from him on a daily basis while I was there. But I remember, you know, him while he was building that Georgetown program being from the Washington DC area, you know, and he was just continuing to just pour into me. Um, and then also, you know, I, I spent a great deal of time, you know, looking at current coaches like Tommy Amaker, you know, Tony Bennett, Ed Cooley, John Thompson, the third, you know, Doc Rivers. And then most recently, you know, um, you know, Monty Williams, you know, I started to study him and, you know, even though he's, um, uh, you know, a player from the, the D.C. area when I was uh, coaching in, in high school. He was in high school at Potomac. You know, he's had a you know a wonderful career, and so I'm continuing to learn from all of these, these people. You
0: know, a phrase that you mentioned several times there that I actually wrote down that jumped out to me was, you kept mentioning how these guys poured into you. What are some ways outside of just basketball and X's and O's and that, how did these men – you know, connect with you at a deeper level than just the game because it's very evident that they were much closer, maybe even like a father figures to you at times.
1: Yeah, um, you know, Coach Vetter, especially, has, has served you know as a surrogate father from time to time. The most importantly, the way that they poured into me is they showed that they cared, mm-hmm. um, and and how they went about you know doing that. You know, they met me where I was. When I when I what I mean by that is. Where I was emotionally, where I was spiritually, you know, um, where I was obviously a, as a player, you know, as an athlete and as a student. So and they took a vested interest in me. And uh, um, it, and I really, really appreciated that. You know, and the most important thing is how they lived their lives. You know, I looked at them and I watched them and I observed them. You know, and I was like, wow, you know, if I could ever have the opportunity to uh, become a coach, that's the type of coach that I want to be. A person who takes a holistic approach to development, you know, not only developing, you know, uh, young men and young women um, as just basketball players or or athletes, but just taking a holistic approach to, into into them as an athlete, as a student and as a person.
0: Now, that, that's really good. And it just shows that. Um... Sports are about relationships and you need to connect with the player at a deeper level and know they care instead of just using them to, you know, win some games for you. Coach, you've been blessed to be around some great coaches and mentors, like you've mentioned. So in your opinion, what makes a coach a great teacher? Because there's a lot of coaches out there, but not all coaches can be called a great teacher or an, or an elite teacher. What are some characteristics of of a coach Uh, And you've been a teacher in the classroom and I'm a teacher in the classroom, but not every coach has to go into the classroom. Not all coaches have to be in the classroom. But what do you think are characteristics of of an elite teacher uh, of the game?
1: Well, first and foremost, I I believe that there's a big difference between, you know, uh, a teacher and an educator, Um, you -hmm. know. uh, And what I mean by that is, you know, a teacher can teach uh, their subject to their students. And, and, and an educator can not only teach their subject to, to a student, but they also inspire that student to want to learn more, you know, about that, uh, uh, the subject matter, usually outside of the classroom. So I, I look at myself um, as an educator, as a leader and a coach, you know, um, and, and I take a great deal of pride in that, you know, Matt. Um, and so some of the characteristics that, that, that I feel make up a great educator, you know, are they're, they're emotionally intelligent. You know, they, they, they pour into their, 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 their students and their student athletes, and they use their emotional intelligence, you know, to, to, uh, as a means to connect, you know, with them. Um, they, they, they're inspiring. You know, they, they, they inspire their students and they inspire their players to, 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 to dream big dreams and to chase those dreams. Um, they're accessible. And I, I think that's really, really important, you know, to, to be available. Um, you know all the abilities that we have sometimes uh, our availability <laughs> can be just as important or if not more important so so uh, you know some of you know like i said some of the characteristics like i said been accessible they're caring you know clearly you know they they, they care about their 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 players they care about their student athletes you know um, they're passionate they're passionate about whatever they do you know with their with this mathematics or if it's English you know, uh, that's a characteristic that that great coaches, educators have that they're passionate about whatever they belong to and whatever they're involved in. Um, they're they're great at building trust. You know, trust is so important. Um, you and I both know, and and what we do as teachers and coaches, to, in order for us to reach their minds, we have to go through their hearts. So we got to build that trust, and trust often takes time. Um, and they instill confidence. I think great, great educators. You know, they they instill confidence. They and and they start with listening. You know, they 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 listen to their student athletes and 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 they ask them, you know questions about what is it that you want to become and and how can I help you get there. And then they instill that confidence that, they, that you can do it. You know, and then they try to help you become that. Um, they're positive. You know, I, I think uh, positive being having a positive attitude is just so important. You know, so those are some of the characteristics that I, I think uh, make up a great educator, uh, great coach, a great leader.
0: Yeah, what I, I love—all those were great. But talking about being accessible, and I think that's very, very important. Where you know, players feel the freedom to come to you and uh, and talk about something other than basketball. You know, I've had kids walk in my classroom and talk about an issue they had, were having with their dad or maybe they didn't get accepted in that college they thought they were. And just that they can trust you to kind of let their guard down and talk about those things is very important because we never know. We might be the only adult sometimes that they can do that with. Um, so it's so important to have that, that accessibility. And also like you talked about being passionate. I, you can't fake passion.
1: No, you absolutely you cannot.
0: You know, so, you know, whether you're the US history teacher or the algebra one or psychology or PE or coach soccer basketball, like if you look like you're you're just dying for it to be over and you're bored to death, then that's definitely going to filter down to players. So obviously passion again, something I you know would say I have indeed is I think very important. And we are, but obviously everybody's personality is a little different as, as well. But passion is still something that people can see and they can sense.
1: Yeah. And, and, and also passion is something that people can feel.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and so it's important that, that uh, you're passionate about, you know, what you what you believe in, what you stand for and and allow that to, to resonate with those people that are that you serve. You yeah. Know? So for me, passion is, is a is a huge characteristic.
0: Yeah. You know, how how you build your culture and what your culture stands for, you know, every, it's very evident. If you believe in it, if you're passionate about it, if you you know, if it is truly who you are, uh, it's very important. Well, coach, you've been blessed to coach, uh, eighties, nineties, early two thousands up to now. So you've, you've covered decades and, and you've seen how the game has evolved. You've seen how, you know, coaching has evolved. What are, um, how have some of your coaching techniques changed over the years? How you, how you attack coaching or have they stayed, uh, relatively the same?
1: Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, and the key word in that whole statement is, is is evolving. And I think that's the most important thing that in any profession, uh, you have to continue to evolve because things don't stay the same. And I am very blessed to, you know, enter into my 36th year, uh, you know, of coaching. I uh, got on my path right after I graduated from James Madison University, and I've stayed on that path ever since. So I'm really fortunate, like you said, to have coached two three decades. Um, but my coaching techniques have, have changed. You know, uh, They've evolved and become more adaptive as, as I've grown and matured and gained a, a wealth of experience. Um, the game continues to evolve. You know, The business of the sports continue to evolve. <laughs> um, and the student-athletes evolve. So, you know, it's imperative, you know, to me that uh, you have to have a growth mindset. And um, and, I, and I've always had a growth mindset. I've always had an inquisitive mind. Um, and I've always been a person who was, who was an avid reader, you know, who was a self-directed learner. So all those things have continued to remain the same, but um, it has made me, you know, improve as a coach, you know, because... There's so much information out there now and then so much information is so much more readily accessible. Um, so you gotta to continue to, you know, evolve as a person, first and foremost, you know, Matt. Um, and then I become more self-aware you know, of who I am, what's my negotiables, what's my non-negotiables, you know, what do I stand for, what do I don't stand for, you know, uh, my recruiting philosophy, you know, who who do I want to have in my program, um, you know, do I believe in sacrificing, you know, talent for character, um, so all these things came through, you know, taking uh, a great deal of you know, introspection where you, you know, you look inside yourself and figure out who you are. And then once you understand who you are, then that's when you can become, you know, a better version of who you are and, and and a better educator and a better teacher and a better coach and a better leader. So those techniques have, you know, uh, I've had to to do those things to continue to improve. Um, you know, some other things that I do is I I listen to a lot of podcasts, like your podcast. I I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot of articles. I write articles, I I put myself out there in, in, in a vulnerable space. Um, and, and I watch a lot of videos and a lot of games you know, and I and I created a you know a network of people that I that I trust. You know, trust as people first. You know, I trust as you know coaches, and and I trust their opinions. You know, and so I continue to try to to evolve and try to continue to grow and continue to to learn. Um, some things that I've done is uh, uh, every year with my teams is um, I give them a personality inventory, and and also my staff because um, I want to know. Who 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 I'm working with, and I'm also wanting to know who I'm coaching, Um, and also we'll we'll do a learning assessment. I want to know how my players, you know, learn and how they receive information, how they can retain information, so I can best deliver that information to them. Um, So these are just some things that I've done. Is you know, um, my mission has always been to positively impact the lives of many student athletes through the game of basketball with the platform I have as a coach to create what I call living trophies, and I I do that through my methodology is development. I take a holistic approach to development. So as a coach, my techniques have evolved more from an emotional intelligence standpoint, growth and develop growth mindset, um, and also just trying to identify and connect and pour into those student athletes and, you know, reach their, their heart and then eventually reach their mind and help them become, you know, very successful. Uh, and if we do all that then it becomes a byproduct when it becomes a byproduct of all of that
0: you know you're the second or third coach i've spoken to in the last several months that mentioned the importance of um personality test so what are what are some things do you mind mentioning which personality test you like because i know there's several out there there's, there's the disk there's all types i mean which is there one that you particularly go with
1: all the yeah, time um, yeah I, i've used I've used the myers Briggs and and I've used um, you know, uh, Chad Brown's disc um and he's been on uh, you know I, I had opportunity to work with him before and I think his is the absolute best and so it just really helped me to understand you know how to motivate um you know uh, my student athletes because I have a better understanding of who they are as a, as a person when I can understand their personalities as well as mine you know it, it helps yes. me cuz I, I also take those tests as well you know and and allow myself to be vulnerable cuz i see vulnerability as a, as a strength not as a weakness
0: so you share your results with your players what it said about you or yes, do you absolutely. just do you share them with everyone or do you just see the players and they see yours how do you
1: no we 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 share as a as a group you yeah. know in, in order for the, us to truly build that trust you know, uh, and I'm asking them to share theirs with me. With me, you know, it's important for us as coaches to share, you know, with with our players. You know, because I want them to understand that I, I'm a, you know, who I am, and and this is why I do things and say the things that I do.
0: And it probably and when your staff takes as well, now you can connect with your staff and understand them a little more deeply, and also understand kind of, you know what their buttons are to push or why they act a certain way.
1: Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing we need to, to realize is, is which ones we can hug and, you know, which ones we, you know, kind of use a, a little more of a stern voice should I absolutely. say.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but
1: who can, who can handle it, and who can't.
0: Absolutely. And the other thing you mentioned, and I want to make sure I'm saying this correctly is you would also look at the, how the, how the players learn like a learning absolutely. intelligence.
1: Not necessarily intelligence. Right. There's learning styles.
0: Learning style. Sorry. Yeah. Learning, learning style. Yeah. Um, I've given Learn those learning. tests in my classes before. I mean, that's important. I mean, who's, aud- who's visual, who's mm-hmm. auditory. I mean, all that's important. Like, hey, this guy needs more film possibly than this guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. really good.
1: And, and, you know, Matt, and, 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 you know, there's four, you know, four types there's, there's visual, there's auditory, you know, um, there's read write. And I'm a read write learner. And then there's kinesthetic. You know, and I think that once my wife, you know, um, introduced me to this, it helped me so much when I was the head coach at Montverde because it was an international boarding school. It just helped me so much to become a better coach because now I could uh, group the players based on their learning styles without them even knowing it. But then when we gave our scouting reports, I would put them you know, if you were a visual learner, I could put you in a classroom with one coach and go over the scouting report and they could do it on the board or, you know, or with film. You know, if you're a kinesthetic learner, you know, regardless if you're in the starting lineup or not, I would take you out on the floor and walk you through the place because that's how they would retain the information the best. And then you have some kids that are, like I said, read-write learners. So I could just give them the scouting report and they would read through it and they would be able to process it with that digestible amounts of information. Um, so I just try to understand how they learn best and so sort of give them that information so they can be successful versus just trying to teach and teach just one way um, and then be frustrated when <laughs> the kinesthetic right. learner is you know standing on the sideline. And he's, you know, offense, you know, in looking around off in space because, you know, that's not how he learns. Right. You know, he, he, he's not a visual learner. You know, he, he has to walk through the plays, you know. And so once I started figuring all that stuff out, I think I became a, a better, a better coach, you know, and, and because our players were so much more comfortable and they executed our 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 game plan and, uh, we, and we were more successful.
0: No, that that's really good. I used to give that to all my students. I've kind of gotten away from it, but this makes me like re, makes me rethink. And man, do it now, and even do it to my with my team. And I and I like what you said. I think a lot of the high school guys, many of them are uh, kinesthetic, so like they're not visual. So they watch the first five run the play, and then they jump out there and they mess it up, and we yell at them, and you're not paying attention. Well, maybe they're paying attention, maybe, but that's just not how I'm. I'm the same way. I need to physically do something after you kind of, you walk me through it, but I have to physically do it to really grasp it. Um, that that's really good. Um, so coach, a lot of young coaches listen, a lot of older coaches listening, but there's probably a lot of coaches who this is going to be their first year on the job, or maybe they're an assistant coach and they're going to get a head job soon. How does a coach or how would you tell coaches to like grow in their expertise of the game? I mean, I, it's a pretty broad question, but just how to learn the game better. There's a lot of um, ways to do it.
1: Yeah, there, there are absolutely, uh, you know, there are a lot of ways, and there's so much information out there. Um, I think it starts with um, yourself. You know, again, I, I hearken uh, back to the, the statement I said before: is to, uh, you know, start to take a look at yourself and then have an understanding of you know of who you are. And develop your. I think you need to develop three statements. You know, as 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 you evolve as a coach, you have to have a vision statement. You have to have a mission statement. You have to have a value statement. And in order to come up with those three statements, you have to take the time and spend the time looking at yourself. And then you got to figure out what are my negotiables. What am I willing to negotiate here? What am I? What are my non-negotiables? And when you take the time to figure out again what I will negotiate, you know, if I don't if they want to eat uh, Chick-fil-A before the game or if they want to eat McDonald's, that's, 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 you know, that's, 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 that's up to them, you know, so that's, that's, that's a negotiable, you know, but uh, my non-negotiables, we, we're, we're going to be on time, <laughs> you know, so, you know, once you figure it out, those type of things, and then you have to start to figure out um, what I really believe you have to figure out, what would it take to come to, and play for me? What would it take to, I'm sorry, what it would take to come, come to my school? What would it take to play at my school? When what would it take to be successful at my school? And then you write down what those things are and then you just articulate those things to, to your student athletes. And then finally, um, you, you develop your recruiting model. For, for me, I'm always gonna sacrifice talent, character, Um, I I want student athletes who are serious about their academics. They don't have to be rocket scientists, but they have to be serious about their academics and wanting to get a degree. They have to be high character people who are men of character, not people who are characters. And then third, they have to be passionate about the game of basketball. That's my recruiting model. I'm gonna recruit that. I want high character kids, I want committed students, OK, again, they don't have to be rocket scientists, but they have to be committed to getting a degree. And then they got to be passionate about the game of basketball and then they got to celebrate diversity. So those are the things that I do when I look for the, for the recruiting model. So that's how you know, coaches, you know, I would recommend when you start with yourself and you have a, when you're self-aware and you, you know what you what, what you're all about. It's easy to now go out and recruit to that. It's easy to go out and tell people what you what, to, what you stand for, and then you can start to build a program that you've always wanted. From a technical standpoint, there's so much information out there. Yeah, there's just so much,
0: almost overwhelming at times.
1: It can be overwhelming, but again, if you know who you are, how you want to play, you know, do you want to play fast? Do you want to play slow? Do you want to run Princeton office? Do you want to you know run the European continuity? You know, all that information is out there, but it, it starts with you defining who you are. And I would highly recommend coaches start to study other coaches and, and start to see how they built their programs and then develop their philosophies, you know, and then you can take a look at what they do. And if it fits your personality and how you want to play, then start to cultivate a relationship with them and learn from them.
0: Man, so many good things that I want I want to uh, reflect on with you. I like what you just said about study other coaches. And many times we try to copy and be that coach because if you're not self-aware, I'm going to try to, you know, like, you know, back when I was in middle school and growing up, we watched every Don Meyer video we watched every Bob Knight video and all that so if a young coach is watching those like maybe he can take some things Don Meyer did or Bob Knight back then but shouldn't try to copy everything like be yourself but that can only happen if you are self-aware and know who you really are then you can study three or four coaches and take a little bit here and a little bit there instead of trying to be the next Coach K or the next Kevin Sutton or, or the next whoever, you know?
1: Absolutely. And, and to, to that point, like I said, I, I played for, you know, uh, Sue Vetter in high school. And then I came back uh, from after, you know, you know graduating from James Madison. I coached with him for, for 10 years. Um, and then in 1999, I had the opportunity to start my own program at Montrose Christian. And I took a great deal of things uh, from Coach Vetter. But then also I I left a lot there. There were certain things that didn't fit my personality. um, And so I didn't take them into my program, but there was a certain, there was a lot of things that I did take, you know, into my program at Montrose when I was starting there, when I was starting it. Um, But it started with me having an understanding of how I wanted to, what type of head coach I wanted to be, what type of coach I wanted to be. And it started with, again, studying myself, you know, and then, okay, I like that from Coach Better. I don't like that, but I'm going to take that. I'm not going to take this, you know, and then you start looking at other coaches. Big Coach Thompson having his bench, you know, him, him and his staff sitting in the middle of the bench because there's no beginning and there's no end. We start doing that, you know, because every player is engaged. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, a lot of just understanding who you are. I just really believe that if we can – you know, coaches can start to understand who they are, then they'll they'll start to become the coach that they want to become.
0: Absolutely. Um, and you also mentioned the three types of statements. It was mission statement, value statement. What was the first one you mentioned?
1: Vision.
0: Vision. Uh, can you just talk about for a second, uh, for coaches listening and even myself, the difference between the mission statement and the value statement? Because I've done vision statements. I've done mission statements. I've done these things. But talk about how – the value statement at the end is a little different maybe from the mission.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, the, 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 the value statement has to speak to those things that, that, that you stand for that you're willing to, you know, know, not die, you know, I, I hate using the word die for, but those, those things that are really, really important to you. You know what I'm saying? You know, so.
0: I've had coaches say like, it's what you're willing to get fired for. But absolutely. I, I mean, you don't want to talk about that, but like what, what's something you would, what's a hill you would die on? Like, I'm not going to budge on this one. It's I'll, right. I'll walk away.
1: No, absolutely. I think that's that's well said. It is. It's uh, something that you're willing to be fired over. You know, for example, you know, um, my, my value statement is you know, my program value will be re- I'm reading it to you right now. My program's value will be reflected in our spirit. And we will value the spirit of, and we use I use spirit as an acronym. And S stands for servant leader. The P stands for professionalism. The I stands for integrity. The R stands for responsibility. The I, the second I, stands for impactors, and then the uh, and the T stands for trustworthiness. Th- those things are non-negotiable for me. So those are those are the things that I value, and it's important that you know that. My players are, and my coaching staff, we're always going to be serving leaders. Um, and then we're always going to be acting in a professional manner. We're going to be men of integrity. We're going to take our responsibilities very seriously, uh, you know, knowing that we are blessed with, with a tremendous amount of talent. And then we're going to be impactors and we're going to be influencers, not only in the community you know, uh, of our school, but in the community at large. And then more importantly than anything else, we got to, everything's built off being trustworthy. Can I trust you?
0: That that that's really good. I've, I'm makes me I'm gonna be up till two in the morning writing my thinking about my value versus my mission and those things. Are really, really, really good. Um, well, let's dive into some specific, maybe some some basketball content. How do you like to teach the game when you have a player on the floor and you are trying to introduce them to a new concept or a new skill? Coaches, I want to talk to you for just a second about why you should seriously consider getting a Dr. Dish. First of all, their payment plan system is unreal. 12 months, no interest. I paid half up front, and then I paid the other half over the next 365 days, and I have a brand new Dr. Dish CT. On top of that, it's just the best shooting machine out there. The CT is so user-friendly, as are all their shooting machines. So reach out to Dr. Dish Tell them you heard about them on the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast and receive a discount. You won't regret it. Your players will get better. They'll get shots up, more reps up, and you'll become a better basketball team. Reach out to Dr. Dish. Follow them on all social media at Dr. Dish B Ball. Now back to our guest.
1: Yeah, I, I use the whole part whole method. You know, I, I will show them. in in what it is that we're doing, whether we're putting in an offensive play, and then we will break it down, okay, into the parts of it, and then we'll bring it back together. So the whole part, whole method. But it does go back to what we said earlier in the podcast about me understanding and our coaching staff understanding how um, our student-athletes learn. So then we will definitely teach to their learning styles. Uh, We will show video, of course, okay, we will um, have the play written down, and and and, and then we will also uh, give the players a blank diagram and have them diagram the play. Um, and then certainly we will walk through it. Uh, so we're just trying to teach them in, in every form so we can make sure that we hit everyone. But uh, I start with the whole part, whole method.
0: Yeah, that, that's really good. Coach McCall was talking about that earlier today as he and I were talking sometimes what I like to do is I'll take a varsity kid and send him down with an assistant and let the varsity kid teach the inbounds play or teach it to the JV I mean it you may know be able to do something but then be able to teach that to the younger kids or senior to a freshman Um, I know some coaches that will give the players like a multiple choice or Know, true fault style, just quick little quiz after practice. And then, you know, if half the kids bomb and it's not the player's fault, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't do a really good job teaching this.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's 100% truth because, you know, too oftentimes when, when the players are unsuccessful, it's not their own doing all the time. You know, sometimes we're just bad teachers.
0: Yeah. That, that can definitely, um, you know, be, be the case, especially. Uh, again, depending on what level you coach and, and new kids coming in. And um, what uh, what does a Coach Sutton practice look like? How do you like your practices organized? How do you like – how practices I- I evolved? And one question I always like to ask coaches is, do you like to start your practice the same way all the time, or do you like to have diverse drills and the players may not even know how practice is going to begin? Cause that's the one that I'm always stuck on every year. How do I want to start my first 20 minutes?
1: Yeah. Um, first and foremost, my, my class, I mean, my, my practices are very, very structured. You know, uh, I do myself again as an edu- educator, leader and a coach. So the, the gymnasium is my classroom. So I'm very, very organized all the way down to the minute I use a clock, you know, in practice. Um, we will begin the the same way. Uh, We'll begin in the locker room with a, you know, quick meeting um, and address some topics that we need to address. And every player, the practice schedule will have already been in the locker room taped up. And I'll have the the player to have a quote of the day, a defensive emphasis and an offensive emphasis. And every player must know the quote of the day and all and the defensive emphasis, as well as the offensive emphasis, you know, nothing elaborate, but you know, eh, uh, your abilities, God get to you, what, what you do with that ability is your gift to God. Maybe the quote defensive emphasis is no, you know, uh, close out with high hands, you know, the offensive, you know, emphasis might make the extra pass and then we will go out and then we'll, we, the players will, you know, uh, run two laps, jump rope for, you know, a uh, hundred jumps, and then we'll get into uh, offense we'll get into uh, pre-practice, which consists of bigs—I mean, uh, excuse me—the uh, bigs, the forwards, and the guards, and then we'll have you know 15 minutes of pre-practice, and then we'll we'll huddle up, and then we'll go over the quota today, go over the emphasis today, the and then right from there, we we go right into practice, and it's and it's it's fast-moving, it's fast-paced. Um, some days we'll start off with an offensive perspective, you know, like a fast break drill, and then get into. A, going from the primary break into the secondary break into the shooting drills and then the man offense and then competitive drills. And then we'll go into defense. And then other days we'll start off from, from defense. I don't like to do um, the same thing every time, you know. Uh, so, you know, and then that's how we start practice. And practice is fast-paced and everything is timed out. Uh, water breaks are done by class, you know, seniors, juniors, freshmen, I mean sophomores, freshmen, and it's timed. And everything, and, and there's no wasted time. So if, if the um, seniors are over taking their two minute water break, everyone else is shooting free throws and everything is charted. Then the juniors and the seniors come back and they shoot free throws, you know, and then so that's how it, it goes. Or it may be um, the freshman and the sophomore down there getting extra you know, shots and, you know, if they're perimeter players or post players, they're getting extra work for the coach. Then when it's their turn to, to water break, they'll sprint over and everything's fast-paced, very competitive, um, and very, very, very loud.
0: So loud, just encouraging each other. Are they supposed to echo when you call a drill? Talk about – because every coach I talk to talks about – great communication and that's something at the high school level I I just feel like I my teams have not reached their potential and it's my fault to do a better job with so talk about the loud gym and why that's important
1: oh it's it is vitally important um uh, we say all the time that a quiet gym is a scared gym yep and uh, we don't want to be scared you know we want to be very very loud and encouraging the players job is to, to be encouraging of each other the coach's jobs are to do the inc- instruction and correction. Um, and every time that you pass a teammate, whether he's in practice, he's on your team or not on your team, if you pass a teammate, you in one form or, you know, fashion, you, you have to make, you know, contact with them, you know, you know, uh, hand clap, high five, a you know, pound, whatever. Um, and then we'll, we'll stop in practice. And I'll say, Hey, Matthew, what did you see Kevin do today uh, that you liked? And then instantly you got to say, Hey, I I like what Matthew did in this particular drill and then then stated, you know, and then we just move on, you know, from there really quick. Um, The communication piece, when I was the head coach at Montverde Academy, uh, it was an international private boarding school. We had a lot of languages um, because we had a lot of players from all over the world. And so we define communication as in three parts, information given, information received, and information understood. And the understood part is that you have to acknowledge and echo back what was just said to you um, and so we always echo the the commands if I call play one, everybody in the gym call plays one if the point guard you know calls you know fifty five defense you know which is our two two one press, then everybody has to echo back because that's the acknowledgement uh, of that you know so and then I try to foster um secure players. I don't want them to be insecure. So and what I do with that is I want them to be able to compliment another teammate, you know, uh by telling them what they did right, what they did well, because they're secure in their own ability. When they do shooting drills, I want them to pass that thing on time on target to their teammates, you know, because I want them to to know that when it's their turn to shoot there, that's what the expectation level is. Here's my shot pocket. Here's where I want the ball. And it's always about being given, encouragement in words. No wasted emotion, no no negativity. We don't want to waste, you know, any time in that negative moment. Oh, you missed a shot and he cusses or he claps or kicks the ball. That's wasted emotion because you have uh, more shots to take. And most importantly, you got more shots to make. So we got to quickly move on to the next play. So communication is imperative. It's important, and it's a part of our culture, and it's a part of it. every culture that I've had as a head coach and it will always be.
0: No, really, really good things there. Thank, thanks for sharing. I like what you mentioned about, you know, not reacting negatively. You know, uh, you have to teach players to have a respond versus react. Because, you know, you're going to have the turnovers. You're going to miss the layup. You're going to miss – something's going to go – not go your way, and you can't slap the pad, pout for a second, look at the ref, you've got to have a predetermined response to how to deal with these tough situations that, that a player will face hundreds of times a season with practicing games combined.
1: Absolutely. And, and, and it starts with um, not allowing them to, 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 to do it. And as soon as you see it, you have to nip it, you have to nip it, nip it in a bug. You know, uh, so to speak, you got to be right on top of it. You got to say, hey, that's is unacceptable behavior. Uh, and, and and then you got to reward when you see the desired behavior. You know, I, I like a term that Kevin Eastman says all the time. You got to catch him doing things right. We spend so much time, you know, uh, catching him doing things wrong and then, and, 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 you know, really spending an absorbent of time, you know, correcting that uh, and harping on those type of things. How about catching him doing something right? And then when they do it right, just make a big issue of it I, I say all I say all the time you uh you shout praise and you
0: whisper criticism mm-hmm. no that that's really good, and many times we get the player or the student who just seems to like they just always do things right. They're just that kid, and they rarely get any praise for it because we're too busy always talking about the negative things and getting on the kid who's two minutes late or jersey's untucked or he and and that kid is just kind of invisible because they just always show up on time, always what they're supposed to do. And yeah, you've got to talk about the positive and not always just talk about the kids that are uh you know doing things incorrectly at times. Not that you don't address it, but you more there should be more praise going on in the practice than criticism.
1: Absolutely. And and it's and it's so many opportunities to do that. You know, and it's just so many more opportunities to to like I said shout praise and you know whisper criticism. You know when you you get the desired behavior, why don't we screen that out? Why don't we just make a big you know issue about you know those type of things? You know, we we I I always had a competitive environment. Like we gave out an award on a daily basis to the first person in the gym and and the last person to leave the gym. You know, and you you would be surprised, especially when in the boarding situation, um when you get the, the, the Acknowledge as you know the first person in the gym because you, you got to pick, you know the, where we ate, or you got to pick you know uh, the type of pizza that you 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 wanted to order. So just those type of type of things, and it's just amazing, you know, just little quick responses and quick rewards to, to the desired behavior. How far that goes, you know, uh, and, and and how meaningful it is. Um, and, 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 Matt, some things that, that that we did that were really, really special where we created the, a leadership and followership in every drill. Um, and people, you teach that by rotating your leaders um, in every drill. Too often times as coaches, we put our best players at the, at the front of the line and we teach everything through him or her. Well, I I discovered that having teaching leadership and followership, I would rotate you know, I'll have Matt, you do drill number one, and then I do all my correction through you, and then drill number two, Kevin would come and, and be the leader, then you would cycle to the back of the line and you would have to learn how to follow. Um, so now everybody has a chance to be the leader, everybody has a chance to be a follower. And then what you see in that is that some people gravitate, some people are better followers, and some people are natural leaders and, 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 and assume leadership position, but you don't want to make that assumption. You, you you want to try to teach it you want to teach that person who's, who normally goes to the back of the line you know the how you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and be a leader you know and then you got to teach that guy who is a and was a leader and been a leader that sometimes you got to learn how to follow him, you know and so and and then i would all, always reward you know my student athletes for being a part of leadership within the school you know i just tell them that you ever want to be able to impact change you got to be a part of something and you got to be a part of the leadership piece of
0: it No, that's really good and that player who may be a little he lacks some confidence about leadership they it may spark something within them and they and it just makes them a little better leader and then next thing you know year two year three year four that guy who was introverted and shy and always a follower may turn out to be one of the best leaders on the team and lead by example and 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 do things right
1: yeah i mean and and, and as you know the most successful you know programs and and and, uh businesses you know you have three types of leader you know you have obviously you have the vocal leader you know and then you have the person who leads by example but the probably the person who's the most valuable is that person who is a part-time vocal leader and a part-time uh lead by example guy you know because the, the vocal leaders, eventually their voices are going to get tuned out and it gets right. tiring to be the, the vocal leader all the time. And then the guy who's the, the lead by example guy, you know, they get tired, too. They get tired of always doing the right thing. They get tired of always, you know, uh, having everybody watch you know what they do. Um, but that's why you gotta have that third guy. You gotta have that third guy that that can step up and be that second voice when, when the first voice gets tuned out. Or you gotta have that guy who's able to have that ability to to lead by example as well. Um, and I think that when you have that, then you have a great leadership.
0: No, that that that's really good. Well, coach, I've got about three pages of notes sitting in front of me from all that we've talked about. When I listen to this again tomorrow, I'll probably have three more. Uh, any last thoughts about be, becoming a master teacher or to that young coach who's listening, who wants to, they want to have longevity in this career. They want to be doing this for 20 years or 36 years or 25 years. Any last words of thought or wisdom for, for the guys or ladies listening that you know, are just starting out in this, this very, very blessed career that we call coaching?
1: Oh, I, absolutely. Um, I have two two uh, nuggets that I would i like to share. And the first one is you just brought up, um, because I'm often asked um, how have you been able to uh, last in this career in, in this profession? And I'm often asked how, how did I successfully build you know free basketball high school basketball programs? And the first thing that I asked the person is that before I answer your question, um, I have to one question for you. How important is longevity to you? And they look at me funny. They're like, you know, what's the relev- relevancy of it? And then I go into this. And if longevity is not important to you, then you're going to cut every corner. You're going to turn a square into a circle. And then when you get to the top, you, you're, one, you're not going to know how you got there. And two, you know, you, you're never going to know how to stay there. But if longevity is not, it, it is important to you, then you're going to do everything that you need to do. And you're going to touch every rung of the ladder. And then when you get to the top, every one of those rungs of the ladder prepared you for the next step. And then when you get there, you're going to know how you got there and you're going to know how to sustain that success and stay there. So longevity is really important. So uh, my nugget, you know, uh, to young coaches or any coaches is like um, place a high value on on longevity and, and have an understanding of how important longevity is because you want to get to when you get to the top, you want to stay there. Because one thing that we do know, Matt, is that the hardest thing about success is maintaining that success. And then the second thing is that, that I, I would like to share, you know, uh, is coaching is it's a relationship-based business. You know, the great coaches understand and they place a high value, you know, uh, uh, on, you know, on having relationships and developing relationships with their players. You know, and there's two types of relationships that I've I've seen in this business. There's, There's the transactional relationship and there's transformative relationships, you know, and transactional relationships are all about what I get out of this relationship, you know, and a transformative relationship is all about, you know, how can I help have an impact, you know, and so as a coach, you have to decide, you know, what type of relationships that you want to develop. You know, and if you develop those transformative relationships where you are impacting lives and you're creating living trophies and you're pouring into the student athletes and you're touching their heart and then you're touching their head, um, then winning becomes a byproduct you know of your time well spent investing in them. you know, and then you realize that the impact that you have it far outweighs any championship that you've ever won. When you see one of your student athletes, become a husband, become a father, become coach, become a teacher, become an educator, become successful. And you can remember back to when they were sitting in in your gym and you were talking with them. Um, It's just so meaningful and we just have to make sure that we are responsible in our positions you know, and, and, and use it as, and a platform that we have and just use it in a, in a positive way.
0: Well, coach, that's a, a great way to, to take us out of the podcast. And I just want to tell the listeners, uh, check out coach's website, kevinsuttonbasketball.com. A lot of his information's on here. I love how you had the living trophies um, and players can, uh, coach can click on that and check it out. And, And again, the quote on the front of your website, basketball affords me the opportunity to impact lives. Well, based on our conversation with you, Coach, I can tell that you are truly uh, committed to doing that. And I'm assuming there are hundreds of players and coaches around the world that uh, owe a lot of their success and how they became a a fine young man uh, to you investing in them. So thanks so much, Coach. One of the most enjoyable podcasts. I've done, and uh, I really am truly, uh, truly grateful and thankful that you uh, took the time to uh, talk to us this evening.
1: Uh, the ple- Matt, the pleasure is all mine. And you know, every time I have an opportunity to, to speak about what I do and, and the blessings that the good Lord has given me, I'm going to take it. And you know, to be able to be on your podcast tonight is just like I said, is a very humbling and, and it's an honor because I, I listen to your podcast pretty regularly and uh, really enjoy it. So thank you so much for having me on as a guest tonight.
0: Yes sir, thank you. Let's do it again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Take care.
0: Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review and also leave a comment about what you enjoyed most about today's guest. I hope you'll join us on our next episode.